man who put Clanfer PG on the map for Wales. He's flirted with the wrestler Adrian Street, and he'll make a song about anything. From Wirral, Merseyside, UK, meet and greet Don Woods. So, a very good afternoon to our listeners. Well, I say good afternoon because uh, we started off at the early time during the morning. Uh, Skype was not behaving itself. The weather was weird. Uh, it's just had a. I've had a weird day to say the very least. I think the best I can tell you is that we've got um, changeable weather, I think is a good way to say it. It's not cold, it's not warm, and it's not bad. But it's certainly not good. Let's go uh, on the fictional plane uh, across Spain, across the water, catch the UK into Speak Airport, which is now John Lennon. And hopefully uh, Don will tell me what's it like for you right at this moment. Weather-wise, you mean, it's fine. Uh, Funnily enough, it's uh, cool. But the wind looks colder than it actually is, if you know what I mean. It's getting warmer, and it's going to go warmer in the week. But it's all right. I've been out this afternoon. I went to the gym this morning, and, you know, hunky-dory, everything's, uh, everything was fine. After, after our little uh, tate-a-tate well, <laughs> at nine, quarter to nine. <laughs> my day started off absolutely wonderfully, you know, and then it deteriorated. It went downhill, and it's still fighting its way back. Uh, but let's see what we can get through now then. Harry Billings was where we started and wanted to start. So tell tell me about Harry. Harry Billings, yeah, I didn't know who he was actually, uh, but it, there was a short documentary on the news on him. And this guy has spent virtually his life, uh, he's an ex-soldier um, uh, in the World War Two, who, who went on to the Normandy landings. And um, since then, he's been raising money to build a monument on the Normandy shore, which has been built. Sadly, he's just passed away. He's just died recently uh, at the age of 96. But what an incredible, what a lovely, lovely man. Everybody loved this guy, everybody. And they were calling him a hero. And he, he was saying, I'm not a hero. I'm here. I'm still here. He said that the heroes are the fellows that died you know, for their country. And he, he was fantastic. I think he's been knighted, which, uh, you know, and he was just saying about everybody should get on. You know, war teaches you that you should like people and all love each other. And, you know, he was an absolute delight, this fella. It was very moving, actually. I was sort of, a, you know, a bit choked up a bit when I was watching it. And um, he was fantastic. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if, if he's a knight of the realm. That's what he is. That's what he is. You know, a knight of the realm, by definition, is a soldier, isn't he? That, that's what I always, I've always said this. Not like, say, Ringo Starr or, say, Blooming Elton John. You know, they're not knights of the realm. You award them for, for services and music by all means, but they're not knights, are they? You know, Sir Elton John, it's rubbish. You know, absolute rubbish, in my opinion. And Harry Billings, he, he, he is a hero to me. He, he, he is what it's all about. He is a knight of the realm, as indeed all soldiers are, as far as I'm concerned. Because I used to know a guy in the gym. He was an ex-soldier and an ex-bobby. 
And, and he was in, in the in Ireland uh, during the Troubles. And I said, well, you're heroes. He said, no, we're not. He said, we're not. He said, a hero is the fellow that runs in a burning house as he's passing by. He says, not not the firemen, because the firemen are trained, like the soldiers trained. Yeah. You know, we're trained to do that. I said, yeah, but you're still putting your life on the line. You know, I said, I'm not having that. You're heroes, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they're, they're the knights of the realm. You know, can you imagine if we got attacked by... Uh, the Danes. Imagine Sir Elton John and Sir Ringo defending us. God blimey. You know, <laughs> that'll be good, wouldn't it? Well, they could get, get them all singing instead of attacking us. You know, um, yeah. all yeah. you need is love. Da, 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 da. You know, just everybody on the beach. That'll, that'll send the Danes away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Harry Billings. But, but great, you know, and it was, it was great the thing they did on him, the little documentary. And I thought, what a lovely, lovely man. And, uh, you know, as I say, a sad loss. And a great, great fella. So that was it. I'm just looking also that uh, he was married for 67 years. Yeah. uh, I mean, that in itself is a great achievement, isn't it, really? It is, yeah, yeah. Great fella. He was, he was great. You know, if everybody was like him, there wouldn't be any trouble in the world, you know. But, you know, they're not, are they? Just a great fella, you know. And he he hadn't, he wasn't rich or anything, you know. He was just... He just put his time in to build this monument. And the monument's fabulous, you know, on the shores of Normandy. And, you know, and he, he was he, he was standing there by it and he was touching the names, you know. It was very moving, actually. It was great. You know, I, so I, you I hadn't really seen much about this, but obviously since you sent me that, I started looking. And um, funny enough, he grew up in, in Kent but then moved down to Cornwall for 70 years uh, after oh, being after being advised to leave London for a better quality of life. Now, this is interesting because, um, y- you know, when we moved down to Cornwall, we knew we would have a better quality of your life. Um, I mean, we're all lovely place to live and everything, but it depends on how your life's going and what you're doing and everything. So I suppose uh, for him, apparently he set up a shop as a barber and uh, then he became president of the local clubs for the Royal British Legion and the Royal Engineers. So he was obviously uh, one of these um, wonderful people that uh, service seemed to come naturally to him. And th- yeah, there is yeah. something about the, the, the down in the West Country, you know, they do take that sort of thing very, very much more seriously than certainly that we seem to when I lived up in uh, Merseyside area. You know, it seems to be very well thought of, very well respected, because obviously we have all the the different uh, camps and bases and things around the West Country, you know. Yeah, yeah, there, there isn't much of it. See, my dad was in the tank regiment. He was he was on the uh, Normandy landings. He was in D-Day. Never, never spoke about it. Never, you know. Now and again, he'd mention it. If I'd ask him, he'd tell me things. But, you know, I, I always regret not really getting into a deep conversation with him, you know, to tell me all about it. But he didn't really, he wasn't, didn't talk about it, you know. And uh, and that was it. So, But it, around here, I mean, even the, the local legion, the British legions closed down. Um, you know, they, they've knocked it down. That's unbelievable, really, when you think about it. Yes, and they want to build flats. You know, it's all money, isn't it? But... Uh, you know that that's going that's going to be a loss. That's been there for years, but it it you know it's not like big around here. You know it's a shame really 
because it needs it needs to be done, you know. Well, we grew up, didn't we, on, on the likes of the um, British Legions. I mean, I can remember running my first discos in the high bed British yeah. Legion. Yeah. Well, we have the Cheshire Cats in it uh, for, for a couple of years or more than a couple of years. Every Wednesday night, the, the jam sessions for the kids' charities we did. But, you know, we heard it, they were going to knock it down, so we, we moved on. You know, and then a good job he did because he would have still been in there when the bricks were falling. It was very quickly when you knocked it down, you know. Yeah. So we got out and that was it. But it's a shame, shame, you know. And I know a lot of fellas who, who went to school with you were in the army, you know, and everything. And it's great. I've got a lot of time for people like that who, who give, the, you know, soldiers. Anyone tells me they're a soldier has got my respect, you know, because yeah. it's, it's tough, you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, next we look at. Um Kinder eggs, or is it Kinder eggs? I suppose it's Kinder. Kinder, kinder eggs. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I bought a great big um, Easter egg, and f for my uh, grandson, and I just happened to be reading this thing, and it said Kinder eggs are recalling all eggs made between such and such a date. So I looked at this big Easter egg, and it was in that date. I so I thought, oh, what's going on here? So I looked it up. And um, apparently it, the, in Belgium, there's a factory in Belgium which make these Kinder eggs and the salmonella problem with them. They're, they're getting people complaining that they got salmonella at this particular factory. So I went back to Tesco's with this egg and I said, where I got it from? And I said, uh, are these being, oh, yes, he said, yeah. She, she said, do, do you want your money back or... Do you want to go and buy another egg? The similar thing. So obviously I bought another egg. Tenner. Ten pound, mate. I thought I'm not going to let that go. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I've, I've, I've got other stuff as well from Kinder, which uh, uh, I, buy, I buy the lad, those the little um, chocolate things, little chocolate bars. You get eight, eight in a pack. And I had two of those, and I, which I give every time I go and see me lad, I take a little thing for him the yeah. little fella and i took them back and she said oh oh no th these are all right these aren't the recalled ones but she said if you want your money back to be on the safe side which is fair enough she, i said yeah i'll do that because i don't want to take any chances I don't want to get salmonella you know so just in time for easter good good timing that isn't it so but i i, I didn't hear much about it on the telly or or, or on the news so you know, I only read it by chance on, on, on a, I think it was Facebook, you know, but if people don't know, they're going to be champing away at these kinder eggs and then being ill, I would have thought. Well, I'm just so, reading, the, it says here, if consumed salmonella or microbial contamination can cause severe illness, including nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramps, diarrhea, fever, chills, headaches, and even blood in the stool. I mean, when all said and done, it sounds like another COVID scare, that, doesn't it? It does, yeah, it does. But but it hasn't been publicised as such. It's only one factory, apparently, in, in Belgium. That, that and, and they've closed the factory down, apparently, now. But, you know, if people have bought these eggs and don't know, if people don't look at the uh, internet, you know, they're not going to know, are they? So watch this space. We might have a, a bit of an outbreak of salmonella next year on, on top of everything else, you know. 
Well, so I, I don't know, but I've never liked Kinder Egg. Um, just as a chocolate, it doesn't appeal to me. I mean, no, the, the, me. I do like, I love the, the really dark chocolate because apparently it's very good for your heart anyway. But I, I've always liked, I've, I mean, it doesn't really matter what things are. If the, if the chocolate, then the good as far as I'm concerned, you know. Yeah, yeah. I used to love chocolate, but I don't anymore. I don't eat it at all. Now chocolate, it's just I just went off it, you know. I have a um, Kit Kat. That's about it, you know. Other makes are available, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. Well, um, okay. Well, nextly, we're we're going to go to one of the immensely long list of people that you like, um, and <laughs> this is the multi-talentless Anton Deck. So. Um, I, I know, obviously, just to put our listeners into the um, into the mood here, um, Don has a particular penchant, I think they say in French, you know, or liking for these two uh, usurpers of Morecambe and Wise celebrity status, uh, Ant and Deck. Okay, so what's been going on? Comparing Ant and Deck to Morecambe and Wise <laughs> is like comparing uh, Kinder. A, midget, a midget to Tyson Fury. You know, it's it's like that. It's like comparing Ronnie Corbett to Tyson Fury in the boxing ring. There's no comparison at all. I do not get them. I don't think they're funny. I don't think they're talented. Um they just come on and the the Saturday night takeaway, which is I don't watch. Yeah, I know you watch it. I know you watch it. I don't you kid no, me? No, no. Anne has it on. Rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. Now, what annoys me with them, uh, Ant, uh, he's been done for drunken driving and taking drugs, and he's been in rehab. Yeah. Uh, so that's a great example, isn't it? He's out. He got away with it all. He left his missus. You know, th- th- what's he doing being a, being a BAFTA award? People think they're wonderful, and they're not. You know, and what annoyed me about these BAFTAs is one one of the um, contestants was Strictly Come Dancing, and they had a deaf girl on dancing with this professional and she was absolutely lovely, and she won the hearts of everybody watching this program. And they, they had the music playing when she was dancing, and they stopped the music in part of the dance so people had realised what she was hearing, which was nothing. She was dancing, just the, the guy, the professional was leading her, and it was fantastic. And she was a lovely, lovely, sweet thing. And she was one of the contestants. That should have won the BAFTA, not Anton Deck. You know, what is it? What have they got? I don't know what they've got. They're so popular. Oh, they're so funny. They do that thing with, um, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And they just come on, fluff their lines up, and then for the rest of the day, they play golf, I think, or whatever. They're just rubbish. You know, it annoys me that people like that get on. You know, if they played guitar or something, I'd have a bit more respect. You know, don't talk to me if you don't play, you know. But uh, I don't get them. 
You watch him. You like him, don't you? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, look, I, I don't, uh, I don't dislike them as intensely as you've mastered the art of. Oh, I don't, dis- I don't dislike them as people. You know, I don't, I don't. They're probably very nice lads. Okay. But they're multi-millionaires. You know, this is what gets me. For what? You know, they, they have got no talents as far as I'm concerned, you know, and they're multimillionaires and people keep, oh, they won the Lansing deck and, and they, they win in all these awards. I don't know why. You know, I don't yeah. know. I can't see it. Maybe I've got it wrong. No, no, I no. I, I feel very, very much the same, actually. I think um, as we've just both highlighted as just two ordinary guys in the street, I mean, you wouldn't sort of go out your way to dislike them, but... I think the problem is that you do expect something of, um, should we say, stature, uh, something to, of quality. If you've got somebody who's on the TV as often as these guys are, then, uh, yes, I think you have to have role model sort of credentials to go with them. I think that mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You know, if you're going to be snorting the odd bit of whatever you're snorting and, um, you know, uh, other problems in your life. It, it's how I feel about somebody like Boy George. I, I think uh, Boy George came on and wrecked almost single-handedly a generation of people by the way that he dresses and the way he behaves himself. And unfortunately... It would appear when you extend that along to, say, um, Philip Schofield in the morning, it seems the more that you're likely to do something bad or wrong or whatever, something different, um, then you're more likely to get on. I mean, I saw a programme the other day uh, which I still can't get my head round, and it was the big tall guy that uh, John Leslie, Bradley. yeah, the rise and the rise and fall of John Leslie. That's right. Did you did you watch that as I well? Watched that. I watched it last night, and what a you talk about trial by media. Yeah, the guy got off with it. He was single. He had loads of women running after him. You know, which anybody like anybody would do if you're capable of it. Big fella, yeah. and he's innocent. In court, I've only seen it three quarters of the way through. I haven't seen the last bit, but they're saying these women come out of the, out of the woodwork saying, "Yeah, yo, he sexually assaulted me twenty years ago." How do they prove it? That's I don't know how how they get away with it. How can you prove that? Anyway, they didn't prove it, and he got off with it, and they were still going at him. But the way I've always said this about celebrity status. It's expensive celebrity status. I don't want it. I don't want fame. Never have. And, uh, you know, all that red carpet business, forget it. You you put yourself out there, which is what he's done, isn't it? You know, what he should have done when he got off with the case with uh, Ulrika Johnson, wasn't it? Yeah. When when he he got off with that case, he should have just gone gone somewhere and DJ'd or something, you know. But to put himself out there and show and look at me with all these women, I mean, some beautiful women, but they're after him. It's money, they're, you know, they're, they're like, uh, I don't know, they, these women, they, they know what they're doing. You know, oh, he sexually assaulted me. She old Rika Johnson, I mean, he raped her, she said. Well, maybe he did and probably did if she said so. But, you know... He, but, get, but, he got but, off with this. That's I was going to point. say, though, Don, you see, you, 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 nobody can say, 
that he raped her if he went to court and it was proven that he didn't rape her. And, That's and, right. And, I mean, much as I think I'd be the first, and I think you'd be the same, to stand up for any lady that had had that sort of an assault oh, on her. Um, yeah. You know, you, you would need proof of it because otherwise I think, you know, we're all uh, really, um, you know, spitting against the wind because, you know, if somebody can just say he X raped Y and then don't have to prove it, then that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? You see, you never hear it the other way round. Because they had these girls on, didn't they, say, and everybody, all the girls fancied him. And when he walked in the place, they'd all be pinching his bum, you know. You see, it was it was like Prince Charles yeah. and um, yeah. Mel B. the Spike Girl. Yeah. It, it was, what was it? The, Mel, Mel B, uh, I think it was. No, it was the scary one, wasn't it? Not, um, not scary spice. Whatever her name, one yeah. of the spies. And she pinched Prince Charles's behind. Well, you know, the other way round. What if, if he'd have pinched her behind, we would have still been going on about it. The car, it was terrible. You see, that's the trouble with it all. The women wait. If, if, they, if John Leslie hadn't had a few bob, there wouldn't have been a word said. But, you know, all of a sudden they remember you know, he sexually assaulted me 20 years ago. I can't remember what I did 20 years ago. I can't remember the the year, never mind a single night. I can't remember you know, 20 minutes ago. No, yeah, no. <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? I watched that and I thought, I, I felt sorry for him because, you know, there's no way out, but you ask for it. If you put yourself out there as a celeb, you're going to pay dearly because the only time your news is on the way up and when you're up there, the only way your news is to bring you back down again. And that's the problem with it all. And it's something that doesn't interest me at all. I don't want any fame or don't want any publicity in the paper, all that nonsense. OK, we can arrange, we can, just we can arrange that bank, for you. Put it in the <laughs> OK, well, look, uh, we'll, <laughs> we, we, we'll stay with uh, fame and celebrity because... Uh, Will Smith, of course, still making the news as he has been given a 10-year ban from the Oscar. So um, what about that? Well, he can still get an Oscar, apparently. It's just that he can't vote. But the Oscars, again, they're doing a job. They're actors, darling. They're getting paid for doing a job. That's all. They're nothing... You know. They, it's not as if they're not getting paid and they're getting an award for uh, giving their time, if you like. They're not. They're just doing a job. I don't get the Oscars at all. The red carpet, nothing more stupid. And they go and they're, they're sort of posing for pictures. It's sad. It, it shows the state of, of, of people. You know, the ants and deck with the BAFTAs, it shows what, 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 how pathetic the BAFTAs are giving them an award. The Oscars are the same. And the red carpet, it, it's, it's, I just don't get that at all. I've had the chance of walking on a red carpet because one of my uh, plays got, got a Sony award and I could have gone to London. And the Adrian Street, I wrote, I wrote a thing for him, uh, records for him, and they made the film. And I was invited to the... the uh, premiere of the film and I'm not interested you know I'm not interested in a red carpet it's meaningless you know I'd rather rather stay here and have a beer you know what I mean that, that, that's it you know fame 
everybody seeks fame. And when they get there, you look at the likes of um, George Michael. You know, it killed him. It killed him. You know, and, and you know, the, the, these guys, that it's hard. When you have people looking at you all the time, whenever you go, they're following you around. It must be terrible. You know, I'd hate it. Yeah. Person. Well, look, yeah. look, I've never had to worry about anything like that because, you, you know, I mean, if you're in that league, you're in that league. I suppose when you think about it, if you don't have things like that to talk about, to uh, maybe discuss and see on your TV screen, and maybe it makes the world a little bit more interesting. I mean, for you and yeah. I, we're not too bothered about it. But, but going back to this particular incident with Will Smith and uh, the slap, I mean, I've got to say, I did wonder whether it was actually set up. It looked like it, didn't it? It looked like it, it could have been. Like Even the photograph, like, because he played Muhammad Ali in the film, didn't he? And, and he obviously thinks he's still Muhammad Ali. And the slap, he sort of followed through, didn't he, with the slap, with his hand on. I, it looked like a setup, but obviously it wasn't because he's been kicked out, hasn't he? But yeah. it, as I said in, in my letter to you, it would have been interesting if it had been Tyson Fury who he'd slapped. That'd be interesting. He'd be picking himself up from outside. Okay, we had a slight break in uh, our transmission because my granddaughter decided to get the dog barking as much as she can, but never mind. Um, (laughs) I mean, they they keep themselves happy, so um, at least that bit's finished. Okay, now, as far as the actual um, thump went, I did get the impression that it was... It didn't look like a a big sort of hit. Uh, but I've got to say, if I was sitting next to my lady and there's a comedian up on the stage who goes a bit too far, um, I would be tempted. I've been in a situation like this. Uh, we had a, a gentleman's um, evening, you know, and we had a, a guy called Bob the Cat Bevan. Um, and he was with us for a couple of hours and then uh, we'd eaten the meal and then he was going to do his cabaret. And obviously, when you're talking, you're trying to give him a bit of background to let him know who he's working with, you know. And then uh, when his cabaret was really struggling, he started, um, you know, cracking gags that were totally inappropriate to myself and other people that had been uh, his hosts. So I, I had a little bit of a feeling of how it must have been. And quite honestly, if um, I'd been with my missus and uh, that guy had been maybe mouthing off, I think I would have, I would have felt like giving him a thump. But I mean, it's like how, how far, how far does the uh, owner slide with the person with the microphone? Because you know, as well as I do, you've had some comics who for donkey's years got away with being foul on a microphone, especially if people were going by and they felt that they wanted to say something, you know, yeah, well, Chris Rock, I I thought he was only joking. At first, I thought if he didn't know that she had um, uh, alopecia with her hair, is Will Smith's wife, you know, he might have thought she'd shaved her head because women shave their heads for parts in films, and and I thought perhaps that was it. But apparently, he's a friend of the family and he knows. See, there was no need to get up and do that, Will Smith, he could have done it vocally. He could have got up and shouted 
bawling and shouting at him and say, you, you know, shut up and keep your mouth shut. That's what he should have done. But to get on the stage, I, 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 to be honest, I'm not a fan of Will Smith anyway. No. You know, I'm not a fan of him. I find him a little bit false. But, um, you know, I, I, he should have done it vocally. I mean, I would, I would have done it vocally. I'd have shouted and said, you know. But see, Chris Rock, <coughs> I don't know whether it was... It looked set up, didn't it? It, it did. It, you see, that, that's, uh, that was my point, really. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, of course, what subsequently has happened and 10 years banned from the Oscars and all this uh, is all very showbiz. But, I mean, how effective will, will a ban like that be like? I, I mean, do, would it matter too much? I don't know. No, because it can still... It can still go to the Oscars, he just can't vote for the Oscars. He, he can still receive an Oscar. You know, they, they, they didn't take the Oscar that he won off him. I mean, it's stupid, isn't it? But it's, 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 it's meaningless, isn't it, really? You know, it's only because he is who he is, isn't it? You know, it's not like headline news, which is what it was. But, 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 this, but is, I, this is why I wonder, you know, look, Don, I've had a a fixation on not conspiracy theories, but the fact that we're all being manipulated. We are being manipulated at the moment. The whole world's bonkers. You know, things are happening that you wouldn't expect for a minute. And you you now suspect virtually anything. So when you've got this Will Smith uh, incident, you start thinking to yourself, well, hang on. You know, it did look contrived and you wonder whether or not they were asked if you do this, you know, uh, and a reason why. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just, I've given up trying to make sense of things. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the Grand National because, in the grand order of things, how important is the Grand National? Right. Don't get it at all. There's nothing more boring, in my opinion, than horse racing, except perhaps watching a marathon on the television where they, they follow the same fella for 26 miles. And the only excitement you get is when he, 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 he turns off for some water and then throws the cup on the floor. That's the only excitement. It's boring. Boring. But the Grand National, um, I, I can't see. It's, it's, it's a spectacle, isn't it? All the women... Uh, go with their dresses and their hats high. On. I suppose it's all right for some people. I can see what people see in it, but I don't get it at all. I went once. I got a, a ticket to go, and I've never been so bored in all my life. It was, you know, people, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I suppose it, it gets people a few bob. In fact, if you'd have put a, a fiver on the winner... It was came in fifty to one, so that'd wow. have been worth doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two hundred and fifty quid or whatever. But it's not for me the Grand National. I can't really see the point of it. it it's it's boring, you know. Have it by all means, but to have an all all afternoon television of it all, you know, it's 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 you know. It's well, I spotted. Really. I spotted. Yeah, well, what do you think? About it? Yeah, well, I, I spotted uh, Eclair Surf was one horse that died. Uh, then there was, uh, hang on, uh, Solo, Solwara One, L.A. Bell and Discorama. So four horses have died in this particular uh, series of days that um, has been a potentry in Liverpool. Now, for me, um, y you know, this is for the pleasure of people to make money 
or lose money. And yeah, uh, so that's yeah. my first thought. Now, my second thought was when I was at Radio Merseyside, I remember the absolute delight I had uh, when I was asked to go and cover the Grand National. So I took one of the Ewer uh, roving mics out and I interviewed various people. Now, for example, I saw David Coleman up on the top stanchion coming down from the commentary position. And I, my eyes lit up and I r- rushed over to him and asked him, would he do a quick uh, interview with me? And he was very charming, actually. And as you know, he was w- one of the elite broadcasters. So he was probably thinking I'm helping, you know, a nice young fella from uh, Radio Merseyside. Anyway, um, I get back to the, um, th- the point where I can actually listen to what I've recorded and um, realise I hadn't put a tape in the tape recorder. <laughs> Oh, I was, I was so, oh dear, I really was put out with that. Um, I, I got the tape back in and I had interviews with Emlyn Hughes, who was then a big noise with the Liverpool Football Club. Um, Judge Dredd was another one I got. And each person that I was interviewing, when I then went back to Radio Merseyside later in the day, I was uh, cutting bits of what they'd said to me out of their predictions for the winning of their horse, you know. So, like, um, Judge Dredd would have given me the name of his horse, and um, then I can quickly find, yes, and whatever the name of the horse is, fell at the first fence, you know, and all this. So, uh, and, of course, the other thing was I spent so much time trying to make me programme and uh, totally and utterly, when I think back, how stupid I was for the time I spent on it, for the £15 or whatever it was that I got for doing the job, you know. Um, yeah, but but going back to the actual event, uh, yes, uh, it, it's difficult to know now because if you think back to last couple of years, uh, we all went down into lockdown, didn't we? Uh, and it was yeah, all, all yeah. the cause of the Cheltenham Festival, I think it was. Um, they, yeah. That was when the figures went through the roof, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. But you see, gambling... Again, if I give anyone advice, any youngsters, I always say the same thing. Don't gamble and don't waste your time because the time runs out very quickly. And one fellow, oh, yeah, I do the odd thing on the horses. I said, well, you'll never win. I said, you might win initially, but you'll lose in the end because the odds are always against you, aren't they, with gambling? Yeah. I mean, I, I know because when I left, when I was on four pound a week or whatever, a little bit more. I went to Kingsway Casino in Southport with my mate of mine and there was a gambling place there and I went on the roulette and he said, oh yeah, he said, you, you, you put it here, you put it back there. In about five minutes, I'd lost a week's wages. So I, I, I never did it again. I, you know, I thought I've worked all week to, to lose, lose it all on this thing. And that was my lesson learned. I don't gamble at all. I love the odd flutter, like if you like, on on the World Cup or something, you know. But not nothing. Don't. People get it pulls you in. It pulls you in gambling, and you got to be very, very careful. Don, yeah. I'm going to tell you something now. This is I, we've never said this to each other before. I was in the cabin club on the night. I think it was the night that uh, men walk, walked on the moon for the first time. Oh yeah. Or did they? Said the conspiracy theorists. But anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway. <laughs> 
there was this guy playing the fruit machine and he was losing like anything. So when he came off it, I uh, started playing the, the, the fruit machine and I started losing as well. And I completely had the idea that sooner or later the jackpot had to go. So I said to Bill Allen, the manager of the club, hey, Bill, you couldn't uh, sub me a week's wages, could you? And I only went and put in a week's wages and I lost it all. And like you, yeah. I've never gambled since. No, no. Well, Colonel Parker, Elvis's manager, lost it all, didn't he? He, he lost. Imagine how much money he'd made out of Elvis. He made 50% of what Elvis was making. And in Vegas, he gambled it all away and ended up working as, as, a, as a helper in, in one of the things, sweeping the floors. Wow. Colonel Parker lost it all on the, on the tables. You, you know, it, it, it's, it's silly. And, and it, it, it's that, that thing where, you know, you don't, I don't want to work. You know, uh, see, you, you've got to work for what you want. That, that's, that's my attitude. It always has been. You know, you get people here, lads here, youngsters, who, you know, they get, they get married young and have a baby and live on benefits. Well, you know, that, that's all right. But, you know, they're the ones, a lot of them do a lot of moaning. Oh, you know, it's all right for you. We've got, see, you've got to work for it, you know. Now, this, I, is, I this is very, very interesting. So I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking as you're telling yeah. me all that. Because, quite frankly, um, when uh, Margaret Thatcher came into power, she was uh, coming in on, in on the back of the philosophy of work hard and know thyself. This was, um, yeah. I think it was um, Samuel Pepys, the fellow's name was. Um, and basically, it was all these guys who, based around the philosophy of the Conservative Party in the UK, was that if you work hard, you should be successful and you're worthy of that success. Now, since um, probably 20 years ago on the TV... There was a day, I can't tell you exactly when, but there was certainly a period of time when a prize, that if you won a prize, was a little bit like um, when you went to Bullseye and you were lucky if you got a caravan or maybe a motorboat. And um, then suddenly everything exploded and all the prize money exploded and people can earn millions no matter what they are going on i mean there's some guy goes on um uh, there's a program i think you mentioned it the other week and it was at the wall or something and there's this fellow who can hardly he's from eastenders he can oh, the wall. yeah he yeah, can hardly string together a couple of sentences and he you know all right wall right we'll see what we can do this time you make yours drop now and then the next minute this ball comes tumbling down and if you know, if you're lucky, you've won. I mean, it's another form of gambling. But my point is, I think what's been happening has been the work ethic that you and I were brought upon, and you and I and others like us worked hard to try and better ourselves. I think there's been something that's really radically changed, and it's to do with gambling and the way that people are encouraged to gamble. What do you think of that theory? Yeah, it's a good theory. You see, the, the general public can't think for themselves. A lot of them, you know, a lot of them, they need somewhere to go. Something's happening. I've said this for years. Something's happening, so we'll go there. The, the, the Grand National, we'll go there. So You see, they need, they can't think for themselves. You know, they, they, like I get up in the morning 
and I go out on my bike or I go to the gym. I come back. I'll have a bit of lunch. Then I'll, I'll go out in the afternoon for a walk with, with one of my pals or whatever. And you see, but they can't do that. Oh, no, no, no. We, we, we usually go to just the shopping in, in the morning. See, they, they can't think of it. And as I've always said, uh, the QE2 syndrome I've always used, the QE2 came down the Mersey and there was thousands on the prom watching it's a boat. That's all going past. I was down there making the video of it so I could make a few pop and I saw loads of them. But, that, you know, that. see, I personally, not that I'm anything special or anything clever, I've always had an aim in life. I always thought, I'll do this and I'll make that much money and I'll do this. And it's not about the money. It's about showing, proving a point with me. Always has been. I write a song and I'm going to prove a point that song is going to make me money. And no matter what anybody says, people say, oh, it's not what we're looking for. Fine. I'll go to someone else and I'll get that off the ground, you know, which I've always done. And I've always had, and I had a job in the trading standards, which was bringing decent money in because I studied, yeah. studied law and everything to, to qualify as a trading standards officer. I did that as well. Then I ended up thinking, you know, I mean, anyone can do this, not just me. And I was thinking, well, you know, I'm sick and tired of people telling me what they think of my songs, uh, <laughs> giving them the opportunity. It's not quite what we're looking at. You know, some talentless idiot that doesn't play an instrument telling me, you know, me, yeah. the, the great yeah. Don Woods. <laughs> so I, I started my own company. And, and as I've said to you many times before, when I write a song, the only opinion that matters is mine. You know, I, 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 no one else's opinion matters. And I've sold lots, loads of songs over the years and, and everything. But not. It, it's just you've got to put the time and the work in. But people don't do that. They expect, they expect it to come to them. And, and you know you'll have a something, an event going on in the in the in the in the in the town, and they all go to it. You know, firework display. Oh, we must all go. see it, it. That's the trouble. They can't they can't think. I go for walks on, on a place around here called Thurston Hill, and it's magnificent. You go over this hill, you're looking over the D estuary to Wales and Hilbury Island, and I'm the only one there, yeah. you know, in the day, where yeah. is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's, that's, that is the problem. People need to be, you know, they're, and they're told, for example, they're told Anton Dex Grace, oh, they must be, because they're told and they've got an award. You see, they don't think it out for themselves. Yeah, I must you know, admit, I, I must admit, exactly what you're saying on the TV, all the time you see trailers, the trailers are rubbish, the uh, stuff that they're trailing is rubbish. And it, it, it's to me, it's good because it can give me something that I can say, right, well, I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to see that. So I can give myself a bit of time that I can do things that I think are important. Don, I'm going to play a jingle next. Now, this yeah. is uh, got the title on it, Monty's Travel. So I'll play the jingle, then come back in and uh, get yeah. you to tell me about it. Okay. He's been to Turkey, Yugoslavia, Bermuda and Bahrain Austria, Bulgaria, Brazil and sunny Spain United Arab Emirates, New Zealand and Kuwait They even stopped the QE2 for him when he was late He's been to France, Czechoslovakia, Hong Kong and that's not all Israel, Sweden, Mexico and China's famous war Norway, Denmark, Holland and across the USA 
Around the British Isles and to Morocco in a day He's been to Lapland, Fiji, Finland, Cyprus, India, Japan Canada, Gibraltar, Belgium and Uzbekistan The USSR, Portugal, Andorra, Germany Switzerland, Australia, Egypt and Italy He's also been to Kenya, Iceland and the Gambia The Vatican, Zimbabwe, Hungary and Zambia Tanzania, Tajikistan, you name it, he's been there I think it's safe to say that Monty's travelled great jingle and it uh, sort of heralded your work that you were doing with the late great Monty Lister and um, tell us a bit about uh, obviously those sort of places and what you were getting up to yeah as I say I did a lot of jingles for a lot of uh, firms local firms um, you know for the television and radio I'd loads of them but Monty was a, a great pal of mine. And what I used to do, uh, I play all the instruments on my stuff. Uh, not, not from an ego point of view. It's just easier to do it that way rather than tell someone to get out of my studio because <laughs> they're no good. You know, so I, I play all the instruments on it. Um, so, so what I did with Monty's jingles, because they're short, that's quite a long one. Some of them are a lot shorter than that. I could try out new equipment that I bought. And I'll do Monty Jingle and and that was one of them. This was before I worked on radio with him five years, but this was before that. And what it was, Monty does these travelogues. He goes uh, out for the day. He'll he'll organise, say, Marrakesh. I went with him to Marrakesh. I used to do his sound for him. And back in the day, we'd start off at Speak Airport, bang, uh, six o'clock in the morning couple of hours, two and a half hours, whatever, in Marrakesh. And we, he'd do a travelogue interviewing people and everything. And then we'd come back. So we've been to Marrakesh and back in a day, you know, Rome, uh, Italy. And it, it, it was fantastic, you know, to, to do it. And you see so much in a day. That, that's what's amazing about it. You know, we went to Rome. And while we were there, we saw the Vatican and the Colosseum and everything, you know, and then came back, you know, it, 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 it's amazing how, how slow a day can go if you fill it, you know what I'm saying? And when we went to Marrakesh, it was, it was in February and uh, people on the plane, it was like an organized trip. People on the plane were, were turned up in sort of T-shirts and, and shorts, and it was pouring down with rain. It was freezing when we got there, and they're all thanking us. Thank you for bringing this weather, because they've all got the fezes on and, and the long yashmaks or whatever they're called. But funny people, great, you know. And they're trying to sell you stuff all the time. You're walking along, and they're trying to sell you belts and all sorts. But they're good. They're good humoured, you know. And um, so I always buy a boring uh, a boring souvenir you know if we go to Rome I'll buy a, a Colosseum a small Colosseum or if we go if we go, we're not everywhere we went to Denmark and Holland if we go to Holland I'll buy a little windmill you know fridge and, uh, fridge magnets <laughs> fridge yeah I've got them all here on the thing uh, a big long line of them and what I did I went to this this guy they're funny you know and we went in the souks. I don't know if you've ever been to Marrakesh. No. In the souks, it's like 
the old Birkenhead market, if you like, there's, there's pots and pans hanging over the aisles. So it's like the old Birkenhead market with hundreds of stalls and traffic. Mm. <laughs> Cars driving through, you know, excuse me, excuse me, horses and carts and everything. It's, it's, it's like another world, you know. And I went to this uh, guy and I said, I'd like one of them camels, please. How much are they? He said, to you, but only to you, a pound. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, right, uh, I'll put a pound on the counter. And he said, no, 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 we only take paper money. So I said, well, how am I going to get me change? If I give you if I give you a, a fiver, how are you going to give me me change? He says, you must buy five camels. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, I said, I'll be back later, you know. Anyway, he went away, we did something else. And I came back and I said, how much is the big camel? He said, to you, only to you five pound i said i thought it might be you know? <laughs> anyway I said i'll have a big one and a small one for the fiver oh oh i've got a family to feed do you know great and it's all light-hearted you know they were do i just love the people and it's so different you know so different because they had, they had a, a roundabout and and the, the, about five roads coming to this roundabout and it was just solid Solid, jam-packed cars all facing different ways, just gridlocked. And the copper in the middle waving his hands, you know, nothing was moving. And people were crossing the road with their fezzes on, and yeah, over the cars, they were climbing over the cars to get over the road. Oh, it was great, you know. It's interesting. We went, we went, went it, everywhere, you know, it, it was great. It's interesting, this, because down in this part of Spain, you do get quite a lot of um, Moorish traditions and um, Arab things that are in the names of towns like Benidorm, obviously. Um, and so, you know, very often if you go to the market, you can get somebody who will run alongside you with a mar with a great big um, carpet over his shoulder trying to get you to buy yeah. it, you know. <laughs> and, and, and really, you know, um, it is it's it's quite strange that there's something in the Spanish people who um, very often are like this. You know, if, if, if you give them a price, uh, you start a barter, you know, and um, and sometimes it gets very much like an Arab situation as opposed to a Spanish situation. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, it we went everywhere. We went to Rome, Norway, Denmark. Do you know? Austria. Did, Austria. Did he fund all this himself? No, he was a great cadger, the world's best. What he'd do, he'd go to these firms. This is a regular thing, you know, day trips and back. And he, he'd say, we'll do a radio program with the Ewer, as you mentioned before. I yeah. used to carry that round with me yeah. and a mic. And he said, we'll do a radio program, a half-hour travelogue, if you give us a couple of free tickets, which is why we did it. You know, we're great, great cadger. And uh, the only time I ever remember him buying anything was when we were in uh, Bergen. He said, uh, do, do you fancy a drink? Uh, I'll go to this bar here. And he goes and gets a couple of bottles of beer. And while he'd gone, I said into the Ewer, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Monty Lister is now going to buy a drink. The last time this happened, three wise men came from the east and I put the mic down. <laughs> and he comes back with these two bottles of beer, seven pound each. <laughs> he never recovered all day. Fourteen quid for two small bottles of beer. That was that was in twenty years ago. So God knows how much it is now. Anyway, he rang me in the week. I heard what you said on that uh, thing. He said I wasn't amused. Very. <laughs> 
was he was great. Again, you see, I'm asking questions as as um, I'm thinking through things here. Would you know what years this would be would be that you went on these trips? Yeah, yeah. I, I started uh, I started with him in I think it was 1999 or 2000. It was round about then. And then I, I worked with him for five years. I was only going to do it for two weeks, as I didn't want to know, to be honest. But because of all these travelogues, this would have been round about then. I think I might have gone on one before I started with him. I might have gone on one then. Because uh, we went to Spain and, and Italy, went, uh, Austria. I went everywhere. And it would have been round about then. About I'd say about 20 to 25 years ago. Interesting, because um, I, I joined Radio Merseyside in 1970, and uh, I remember going out to do these programmes, travelogue programmes, Tracy's Travels, which um, I did things like, uh, you know, the top of Hellsby, looking down over the, the Cheshire Plain and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were always ever telling me that there was no money, you see. There was never any money to do anything. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I funded everything myself. I think we've spoken about these things before. When, yeah, I used yeah. to, when I used to go out and open up the fates and things, I didn't get a penny for them. In fact, we, we packed them in because we just couldn't afford to do it because we'd had a few things that had knocked our finances. And, uh, you know, if you turn up at a fate and everybody's asking you to, to um, buy from the stall, you know, it gets a little bit expensive. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, look... Well, it- he got, I think he got about 60 quid a week. That was all he got from Merseyside. Merseyside never funded anything he did. But he, he was a great, he knew a lot of people. And as I say, the guy who, who worked with him before me was a young fella. And he wanted to be an airline pilot, which he is now. He's one now. And Monty organised uh, a flight with the Red Arrows for him. Fabulous. You know, he, he knew, he, he was in with everybody, you know. And, and. The Duke of Edinburgh, he interviewed the Duke of Edinburgh, who who he was only told he could have 10 minutes, and the Duke wanted 20 minutes with him. He said, he said I'm not interested in 10 minutes. He said, oh, well, this man's asking me some good questions. So, you know, he was he was very respected, you know. Yeah. He was great. You'd, you'd have liked it. He, wanted, he, he took a lot of getting to know, to be honest, but I, it didn't bother me well, because I, he was just I like do re- I do remember meeting him, but it was in the most unusual way because I was running the judo mat at the yeah. Port, Port yeah. Sunlight Boys Club, and he was obviously taking a group of people round and uh, that was really how we were introduced. So we weren't introduced properly. And obviously, our paths never crossed uh, after that, I don't think. Look, um, I've just about time to explain the song of the week because normally I have to, um, you know, you give me your song of the week. I, I would like to ask a favour this week of you because I'd like to play you a song which hopefully you won't have heard of. So, are we okay with that? You've got my permission, Vince. Right, okay. It's yeah. all you need, mate. All me groveling has done. No more is coming anywhere near <laughs> was, your direction. I was just thinking that. What a groveler. <laughs> I was just thinking that when you said it. <laughs> okay, well, look, um, I've got a, a, a song which, for years on end, I used to uh, pretend to the people that came into the club that I thought was brilliant. It wasn't. It was awful. It was probably the worst record ever. And it was by Peter <laughs> Cook. 
and it was called Lovely Lady of the Roses. Now, I don't know if you've heard it, but um, I'll give you a couple of bars of it and see if it resonates anywhere in your memory. It went something like this. Lovely Lady of the Roses, will you be mine tonight? It was all out of, out of tune, out of key, and it was just out of this world. The whole thing was awful. Have you ever wasn't heard... The Dudley, Dudley Moore one, it wasn't that Dudley Moore? He did it with Dudley Moore, probably ah. somewhere there. But, I mean, the thing was, uh, I've, I've even found it on the internet, done by another group who don't mention Peter Cook. So, obviously, <laughs> they've, they've picked it up and used it, you know. Um, so, uh, I, I'd like to say, very tongue-in-cheek, that, you know, I found a masterpiece for you for this week. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you've... You've gone that extra mile for me to find some of the most wonderful songs that were ever recorded by people like um, Charlie Drake was one that I can remember. And you put me through the horrible, horrible Smiths period when I had to listen to some of their songs. So what I'd like to do is play you this song. Now, please bear in mind the words that I've been using. The most wonderful song that you will ever hear. The right. most, the, the the most beautiful lyrics. Because I know that you, as a lyricist, will be listening to these lyrics and taking it all in. And can I tell you, I want you to place that whole picture that you have in your mind of this wonderful song, and think of the cabin club in Birkenhead when you know all the high flyers were coming in, and we'd get to the end of the night, and it was time for a bit of tapping off music and I'll, I'll play them this song and when you're listening to it uh, if you can maybe just um, close your eyes and listen back and enjoy it uh, so here we go um, it's Peter Cook and it's called Lovely Lady of the Roses so with that I'm going to say uh, thanks for our chat again and uh, over to you for next week's see if you can top this song for you Don for you and nobody else, lovely lady <laughs> of the roses. 